Fasten your seatbelts. It's going to be a bumpy night. All these girls gonna be in the league? Hello, gorgeous. Female fight club. All men must die, but we are not men. Damn it, Kristen! What do you think happened to Karen? Lauren. Girl, her name is Kimberly. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to episode 33 of Citizen Dame. We are four awesome ladies who like to talk about a lot of things, but mostly for this podcast, we talk about movies and men of the garbage variety and of the beautiful variety, and sometimes that matches, or mixes, not matches, never matches. Sometimes it mixes, though, (laughs) like when certain people decide to take photo shoots with big fish <laughs> day two of that fucking photo <laughs> we're, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to explain that no, are we i think it's we, better if we don't i don't 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 i think somebody thought i that think was a good someone idea. needs to explain it but it's not us I, I, i'm not anyway. i'm not <laughs> Today, i'm karen peterson and today i'm joined by Kristen lopez so not cool <laughs> Lauren Humphreys Brooks. Hi. And Kimberly Pierce. Hello. Um, yeah, if you missed it, go on Twitter and look up Josh Brolin and you might find some disturbing images. Just go to his Instagram. It's like the first fucking photo. Oh, that's how proud of it he is. He's, He's on always his Instagram no, page. Here's my here okay. <laughs> Let's let's do a little brief foray into Josh Brolin's Instagram. He's very proud of being naked. This is like the fourth photo of weird. Oh, look at me! I'm doing something and I'm nude. Um, and ordinarily I would support this, but now I'm just thinking that it's a cry for help. <laughs> or the so so. Am I wrong in assuming only one have involved him standing there with? Really oh yeah, yeah. Fish? This is the first time there was animals involved, or or, um, or fish, or anything, <laughs> animal, mineral, or vegetable. Usually, it's just like him being like, "Oh hi, I'm sitting in this chair, and the light hits me just right, and I'm gonna take a picture of it." <laughs> and see that I'm not opposed to, but this whole fish thing is just like <laughs> what. It gave me a lot of questions Army that I don't Hammer want answered. Army Hammer commented and liked it, so... Of this... course he did. Now, now, that's what I was just going to say. So, wh- how... What was Mr. Hammer's He's, comment He said that he this? liked I don't it. Want he, he dug it. <laughs> so, this means they're he friends. He wants some more of it, is what he wants. Um, oh, wait. You know what? <laughs> if this means that they're buddies, um, I, I... This just makes it easier for me, so... You're probably more than buddies, but that's anyway. Cool. Um, that's cool. That's cool. Whatever... <laughs> Whatever I can get involved the, in, okay? Just just hmm. as long as it doesn't involve a halibut, I'm okay. <laughs> what did Oliver get up to after he left Elliot? Well, now we know. Now we really get the full picture of just, how devastating we, that breakup really was. Luca Guadagnino, so we have plot. All Oscar Isaac's Oscar Isaac, Pedro Pascal is. I fully endorse that one. Army Hammer and Josh Brolin. I, I have yeah. thoughts about one of those relationships where I feel like I would not be invited. Um, the other one, I could be like, I could be included in that. Um, the point is, 
fish did not need to be involved in anything, okay? Someone took the completely wrong message from the shape of water, so. <laughs> Which I think is an Instagram description. I actually. I, I mean, know, yeah. I can't take credit for that. Yeah, joke. yeah, that's actually. Josh Brolin sat down and, like, wrote a manifesto. Uh, oh, I didn't know oh, that. Oh yeah, part. read the whole Instagram photo. He has like no, a plot. I don't want to. He has like a plot for a movie going oh on gosh. in his head, and he felt the need to share that with everybody. Someone, please hire Josh Brolin again so that he can have less time on his hands. Okay. <sighs> you know, I feel like the last I don't know, fourteen I... <laughs> years of our relationship, okay, has been me being like, I... he, he does good stuff when he's not left to his own devices. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. He's bored. Someone Some, get him busy exactly. again. Someone give him the puzzle. Kristen wants to. That's the point. Someone give him a puzzle or something. I don't know. <laughs> Help me. <laughs> All right. So we have some news this week. Um, aside from Josh Brolin. Much aside from Josh oh, Brolin. Um, I actually, the internet broke the other day. Absolutely just broke with the fantastic, exciting, super wonderful news that Bill and Ted 3 is happening after 27 years, and I personally could not be happier. Yay! Bill and Yay. Ted Face the Music is coming probably in 2019. Keanu Reeves and Alex Winter have both signed on to return, and apparently this is like I mean, if you remember the original films, the whole point of the first movie was that they had to pass this history class so that they didn't get separated because Ted was going to get sent off to military school. And if that happened, then their aspiring metal band was going to get forcibly broken up and then they'd never write the greatest song that would have ultimately unite the entire universe. So that was the whole point of the first one. And so now this is like all these years later. And apparently they still haven't gotten around to writing that great song, although they've tried. So that's what this movie is, is them trying to finally get this together. Uh, we don't know who's going to take up the role of Rufus, um, which was, of course, played by George Carlin in the original movie, and he has since passed away. So we don't know who will take on that, if they will recast the role or if they will just have someone in a similar position of being like a mentor to them. So I don't know. We'll see. But I'm very excited. The original writers are Keanu coming back, Reeves too. needs time to nurse his John Wick bruises. <laughs> That's right. Which he's currently filming right now, so. I'm, I'm all for him, like, getting back into comedy for a little while. Oh, my gosh, I great know. Fun. I feel yes. like there's a I'm nice, so like, meta vein of humor to this. Like, them trying to write the song for the last 27 years. Them trying to get the sequel made for the last 27 <laughs> years. I've only seen the first one, so I haven't seen two. I don't know if um, it's worth the it or The second not. one is not as good, but I still find it perfectly delightful. So, I mean, they're fun to watch together. And mm -hmm. and it's really interesting to see kind of the way their paths diverged. Um, Alex and Keanu after the movie ended. And how Keanu went on to become this big action star. And Alex Winter, I feel like, and we can, we'll be talking more about some of this stuff when we get to Brad Renfro, but I feel like some things really just went wrong in his life as a result of his role in Hollywood, but um, yeah, I don't know. I'm super excited to see him back in a major role in a movie, so I think he's great. Um, something very exciting that was announced this week, besides Bill and Ted, I know there's actually other good announcements. Um, 
Reese Witherspoon, her company Hello Sunshine, is teaming up with AT&T and Frosh Film for a filmmaker lab that is for teen girls. So this is super cool. You don't have they don't have to have any experience to to sign up. Um, everybody just has to. There's like a application online, and then you submit a 90 second video explaining why you want to be part of this filmmaker lab. And it's for girls 13 to 18. They're going to choose 20 of them, fly them out to LA for eight days of learning how to make a film, and they're actually going to be working on an episode of a TV show. So I think it's super exciting, and I love that Reese is is spearheading this because I think that it's just she's been she's been great. Obviously, we love her on camera, but she's an awesome producer too. So I'm excited to see what what that yields, and I think it's a great opportunity for girls. So let's see, Burt Reynolds is joining that little Tarantino movie. <laughs> Yeah, he's going to be playing. That's all that really he, Well, needs. for me, I was like, who is he playing? And then I found out that he's playing George Spawn, who owns Spawn Ranch. And I'm like, mm-hmm. really? So that's who we needed Burt Reynolds to play? Like, you could have just gotten anybody. Yeah, well, but that's the point, is that Tarantino can get anybody, so. But I think, I think the I've... problem is, is this is if this is going to become another big cameo fest. He, he keeps saying this is the closest he's gotten to Pulp Fiction, I don't remember Pulp Fiction being just, like, random people popping out, like, being like, oh, yeah, cameo. You had a few, like, Harvey Keitel. um, But they had characters. Like, I don't think George Spawn's going to be a character in this movie. I think he's just going to open a door and be all, hi, I'm George Spawn. I own this ranch. Bye. (laughs) I don't know. I don't see Tarantino doing that. If he's going to get someone like Burt Reynolds, I think he's going to give him a little bit more to do, but... I don't know. I'm still wondering why we want this movie or if we need this movie or I don't know what I'm wondering. But That's what I was just going to say. Do we even need this movie really to no. happen? I don't think nope. so. And it has a title now. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Well, that's been the title. I think it's just official. Oh, has it? Yeah. Oh, okay. It's yeah. official now. As, now and and I think they said it's official that Margot Robbie has signed on to play Sharon Tate. So. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That part, too. So. Mm-hmm. Margaret Robbie, stop disappointing me. I know. I know. I, I like you so much. I stop want it. I keep loving you, and you're making it very difficult. Um, uh, in goodish news, I think this is good news, Weinstein Company sale has been approved. So it no longer is in the hands of the Weinsteins after I can't remember what official date it takes effect, but the... Uh, Company Lantern Capital, which is really a group of investors, has officially bought the company, um, and the judge approved the sale, and they're even taking over some of their debts, too, which I'm not sure how all that works. But anyway, they ended up buying it for less than they originally were going to have to, so good for them. Good. Weinsteins are out of the Weinstein Company, and it'll be curious to see, like, what they changed the name to because <laughs> I'm sure they're not going to keep that name but I wouldn't be surprised if they kept the initials in some way because that at least is memorable and then just change what they meant maybe I don't know we'll see it's great news though um let's see so Jordan Peele announced a new movie who's excited 
besides me. (laughs) The movie is simply called Us. And um, Lauren, who's in this movie? Uh, People. Lupita Nyong'o? Lupita Nyong'o, yes. Right? Lupita Nyong'o, Elizabeth Moss, and Winston Duke, who is best known for um, playing M'Baku in uh, Black Panther. Yeah, he is. It's very exciting. (laughs) Yes, I, I am most excited about that. I am too, and it's a horror movie. Uh, apparently, it's another. I heard it was another um, social satire type horror movie. So uh, I'm not sure exactly what that means. They haven't really said what the plot is, other than that it centers on two couples, one white and one black. Well, and I think it. the the theory that we all kind of have conspiracy theory wise about this movie is that. It's called us, but we think it's all gonna. It's pronounced. It's it's the acronym. It's it's us. Oh. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. We don't know what that means, but we're like, it can't just be that. I don't know. So. Right. Well, Interesting. Well, I mean, we we did we did just have a a video called "This Is America," so I I'm not I wouldn't be surprised. Right. That's true. Um, someone on Twitter said they were really disappointed that it's not called And Stay Out. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and that is expected in March 2019. So, yay. And then, um, Annette Bening is signed on to a little movie. Um, Kim, can you tell us what she is going to be doing? That is Captain Marvel, correct? That is Captain Marvel. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Annette Benning has signed on for a secret role in Captain Marvel. We don't know what it is other than apparently her character is some kind of scientist. So, um, yeah, I'm excited. This is like her first studio movie in I don't even know how long. Um, she very much stays in the independent route and um, has never done a superhero movie at all. So, yay. Um... And uh, something else. Oh, yeah, that Don Quixote movie is screening at Cannes, whatever. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> but but Amazon has pulled out of distributing it in the U.S. Yes. So we don't know what the status of this film is going to wind up being. Seriously, we're never going to see it. I don't believe well, it. And, it's not, not going to happen. And didn't all of this culminate with like him getting hospitalized for trying to beat the shit out of the producer? Did, was did everybody else miss that part? That's why he got hospitalized? Oh, well, I heard about the I heard that he got into a fight and, like, he tried to punch the guy who's suing him and got his ass kicked. <laughs> like, that's what I heard. I wonder huh. what the behind-the-scenes version of it was, but I just hadn't heard. I figured he didn't just get a cold, so I, I, I wonder yeah, what that's happened. that's what I heard. Do not quote me on that. Um, but that's what I had been, had been told, um... No, Don't sue us, Mr. Ter- Gilliam. Yeah, no, knowing Terry Gilliam, it wouldn't be surprising. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, but I mean, they're going to screen it, so, you know, which means that the earth will open up, the theater will fall into it. Cthulhu <laughs> uh, will be the, the The sole, like, film print of the film is going to, like, just erupt into flames. It will and, suddenly be nitrate, and it will burst and, into flames. And all of, all of the original uh, digital copies are going to get a virus. Like, that's what's going to happen. This film does not exist. The universe has chosen that has just said this is not this is not something we need. You know, I don't know. This is going to bring about the apocalypse or something. So listen <laughs> to the universe, Terry. 
Just let it go. <laughs> Wouldn't it be funny if it's really just the entire film is just all a big joke? Everybody shows up for the screening and it's like, ha ha, this doesn't really exist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that would be great. I actually would like applaud that. I would be like, good for yeah. Lauren's like yeah, begging that's... for that to happen. She really, really wants that. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, all right. So that's it for news. We decided to keep that you know moving pretty quickly because we've got a bunch of stuff to discuss, but. In between, we got. Can I give a quick shout out that that Brooklyn Nine Nine has been picked up by NBC, which is awesome. So yeah, yeah, Brooklyn Nine Nine was canceled by Fox on Thursday and picked up by NBC on Friday. So I don't. Fans are rejoicing and also submitting other suggested titles to be resurrected by NBC, such as (laughs) Pushing Daisies, which I fully endorse. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't watch Brooklyn Nine Nine, so everybody was like freaking out on my Twitter and I was like I am sorry. <laughs> I stopped Well, you should watch it because it's a great show. Uh, I stopped having NBC faith. there's still time to save Lucifer too. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Kim Kim it's was on and, the um, Lucifer set too, so like I feel she's become the one woman band. That's right. <laughs> I had fun too, dang it. Good. Well, you know, there's always Netflix or Hulu or something else too. I mean, it's not necessarily the end of the road. We'll see. There's still some time. Um, yeah, I don't know. We'll see what happens. I never watched Brooklyn Nine Nine either, but um, I have been repeatedly told I need to. So maybe I'll binge it this summer and watch it on NBC it's, in the fall. It's just, it's just a very positive show. I think that that's what a lot of people are upset about. It's, it's it's kind comedy like you've got all of these different characters they're all very funny there's a lot of diversity and and it's just like it's a, it's an actually gentle funny kind-spirited show and I, I think that that's what a lot of people were disappointed by well and and shall we say what 30 minute sitcom fox picked up yeah uh last yeah last man standing right yep. <laughs> Hmm. Fox is on brand. You got to give it to them. Fox is. Fox is. Yeah, it's bringing everybody under brand now. Uh, I try to forget that that show exists. My mom stopped watching ABC when they canceled it, and I'm just like, Mom, come on. They brought back Roseanne. It wasn't canceled for the reasons you think it was canceled. So yeah, really. (laughs) So anyway, um, we got a listener question. Brian B who is at Dynasty86, asks, As the current can jury president with a highly anticipated summer release Ocean's 8, Kate Blanchett continues to be a consistent force in the film industry. What are your top three Kate Blanchett performances so far? And I love that he included so far in that. Um, because Brian's awesome. Yeah, Brian is awesome. Kim, do you want to start? What are your top three? Um, I, I was looking through this. This was such a hard one, and probably going to get made fun of for these but um i have to go with hella as my first hella's awesome because that was mm-hmm. that was just so awesome and so it felt so against type for her it was like you go girl uh number two combining it combining the three movies and i'm still forgetting the other three exist uh galadriel so for the first three lord of the rings movies and then I'm a sucker for the aviator. So her Catherine Hepburn in the aviator. I love the aviator uh, too. And I, I hate that people give it so much crap. Alrighty. <laughs> <laughs> Lauren, what are yours? I, I mean, it's not a, a great movie. It's an okay movie. Um, but it's not terrible. My, and that's the point. It isn't I terrible though. It, and it. she, 
I, I agree. Her her Catherine Hepburn is amazing in that film. Yeah. Um, okay, I'm going to I, I hate to do this because I I feel bad about it given everything that, you know, we've been talking about. She is amazing in Blue Jasmine. Yeah. That was my she, runner up choice. She really is. You know, I know that there's so many problems with that film and particularly with Woody Allen, but she really gives a, a spectacular and devastating performance. Um, so yeah, it's that, uh, I was actually, I'm going to say her Kate Hepburn and the aviator, even though I, I'm not a huge fan of the, the film, but also notes on a scandal. Oh, so good. Uh, the film with Judy Dench, you know, again, being able, the fact that she's able to share a screen with Judy Dench and not just be completely, uh, dominated is, is amazing. And she, she's excellent in that. And, but my number one is Carol, mm-hmm. like that's just First of all, it's a beautiful film, and if you've read Patricia Highsmith's book, she really does embody this this combination of like this very passionate woman who is also constantly having to suppress herself, and she's she's just so good in it, and that really just made me love her. My three have already been said, so I'm just going to say them, and I have stopped ranking things unless I'm absolutely compelled to, because I don't necessarily think that one is better than the other. I just love all three of these, and that is mm-hmm. Carol... Blue Jasmine, and Lord of the Rings. So, Kristen, what do you got? So, um, one of them was already said. I, I tended to go with the ones that I, I think people wouldn't have mentioned. So, uh, The Aviator is up there. I think she's probably the best Catherine Hepburn that we'll ever get. Um, that's not literally Catherine Hepburn's zombie corpse. <laughs> Other than yes. the original. Um, I also really like her in Thor Ragnarok. Um, I've never had a girl crush on her, but I was feeling some stuff when she popped out and Thor Ragnarok in that outfit. Um, and then I also really love her and Hannah. Um, I, I think the movie is Ooh, flawed, but cut. she plays such a good villain in that movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I noticed nobody said Indiana Jones came to him with the Christmas skull. <laughs> I completely forgot she was saying I thought about saying Elizabeth as a tutor file, but I have so many problems with that movie as a whole that unfortunately she's not good enough for me to say I can ignore those problems yeah <laughs> I mean she she has such a very uh she, she has such a very filmography just scrolling through like all of the different films that she's made you know she was in the good German talented uh, Mr. Ripley talent yeah talented Mr. Ripley was show, she in uh, I forgot about that uh, Oscar and Lucinda, like way back, and it was, it's her and Veronica um, Guerin. Mm-hmm. Um, so she's she's had a very interesting oh, and uh, an ideal husband, which I think is the first film I ever saw her in uh, from nineteen ninety nine. And again, she's not a very demanding character, but she's always an interesting actress to watch. Yeah, it's true. She really is. And then, of course, Ocean's Eight, where she is the best thing ever. So. I cannot wait for that movie. <laughs> um, I got approved to review it on Ord Circuit. I'm Ooh, very excited. Lucky. Um, okay, so let's go into some discussion. And so we have, there were some big articles that hit this week that um, just made me progressively more and more um, sad about the state of the world. <laughs> um, first of all, let's follow up because we did talk about Roman Polanski last week. After he was expelled from the academy, so then what happened, Kristen? Um, he believes that he was unfairly expelled and that he would like due process and his day in court. Those are direct quotes. 
Yes. Let's, let, you know what, Roman? You're right. You do need due process. So come on back to the U.S. <laughs> and we'll we'll take oh care of that. <laughs> yeah. No. Oh, Let's come, God. you come back and we'll talk. Um, yeah. Oh, my Polanski problem just keeps on getting bigger and bigger. Doesn't it? He won't let us forget. Well, and I, I think it's I think it's hilarious that he's all miffed about what not getting his screeners at the end of the year. Like what? He's Roman Polanski. Does he really need to be part of the Academy? He really needs well, to I, vote. On I'm the Oscars. sure it's really more of a prestige thing. Like he's one of yeah. four people that have ever been kicked out of the Academy. One of which was kicked out for sharing his screeners, actually. So, if anybody uh, deserves a second chance, it's that guy. <laughs> like, how I the mean, world has changed. And yeah. He's definitely the most, I mean, he is still a very high-profile director. And, you know, I, I think that he's probably also worried about if, I, I assume he's still going to continue to make movies, or try to make movies. I'm certain he's also worried about whether or not people are going to continue to work with him. Yeah. Which is uh, a valid concern, and if he wants to keep having people work with him, he should probably just make all his movies in France. Yeah. Because <laughs> for, for a while there, he was prepping a uh, Dreyfus Affair movie that, um, that he was interested in, in directing, and I don't know what has become of that, or if it's still going ahead, or what he's up to uh, at that level. It, at this point, it's like, dude, just, you know, if you want to make movies, keep on making movies in France, and, and don't 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 expose yourself to more um, threats of court action or anything like that. It just seems like a bad idea. Yeah, just keep your head down and do your films. Like, stop commenting on things because that's what makes people remember that you are a terrible person. So, yeah. Um, Anybody have anything else they want to say about Polanski? Okay. Fucking ironic. Just <laughs> that's all I got. <laughs> right. Um, I love his movies so much, and I hate him so much as a human. There being. are several that do. I've just never been able to watch because I'm sure they're wonderful and and great. But just knowing that his name is attached to them, it's like this mental block for me. It's really hard, and I need to just get over it and finally watch Chinatown. I know, but it's it's hard. It's a struggle. See, Chinatown I would at least watch. I, yeah. I, it's been on my list forever. Chinatown. It's just, uh, every time I think about it, I'm like, ah, it's Polanski. It just, it's it's a great film. I know. And, it is. And he's a it terrible person. Is. And it's like, I don't know what to do. Yeah. Well, I, I don't think I've watched it since film school, but I enjoyed it that time I watched well, it. Well, that's the thing is I know when I watch it, I'm going to be like, yeah, this is a really great film. And I just, I think my problem is not watching the movie it's not having to say afterwards yes i watched a roman polanski movie and i liked it like i think that's where i'm i think that's where my mental block is i appreciate it what is it a knife in the water isn't that him oh yeah that's one of i i mean he's i i honestly say this that just in terms talking about his filmmaking he is one of the greatest living directors yeah and there's there's no doubt about that And if you go back through his entire filmography there's there are very few bad films, uh, and and particularly his early work, and right up, basically right up through Chinatown. These are spectacular movies. Um, you can't you can't get away from that. And I, I this is where this is where I come down to. We need to be able to separate the art from the artist because I I would very much like to hang on to those films and, and continue <laughs> please to talk don't about take them. this away from me. <laughs> I mean, at, at the end of the day, you can't. Chinatown is an incredibly influential neo noir. Mm-hmm. Rosemary's Baby is an incredibly influential horror film. Um, 
he he's made some films that are just going to be part of the canon for a very long time and we can't get away from that at the same time as, as acknowledging uh, what a horrible person he actually is oh I completely now. agree with that and, and that's the thing like I, I understand I think that there is a certain degree to where you do have to make that separation and it's a hard separation to it make is. though I mean I can understand that it is, too yeah it's, it's even harder in some ways because so many of his films deal with victimization. Right. And particularly mm-hmm. the victimization of women, the victimization of innocence. And, and they're in, what's even more bizarre is that they're incredibly sympathetic to that. Like, if you watch Repulsion, if you watch Chinatown, if you watch um, Macbeth, you know, this... Repulsion, this like, that's the one I was just thinking of. Yeah, the, these are... The these are very complicated psychosexual films that are very much on the side of the victims. So then to turn around and be like Roman Polanski as a person has victimized people and was a victim himself. He was, uh, he, he had to flee Poland during the Holocaust. He lost his entire family. His wife was murdered, all of that stuff. It's, it's a very complicated issue to like, look at him both as a persona and, Mm -hmm. and his history. And, the way that he represents victimization and violence in his movies. Um, it's its fascinating, if incredibly disturbing. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for that. Um, okay, so less gross news. Jessica Chastain! She is not gross yeah. at all. She has a new spy thriller. Kristen, can you talk a bit more about this? Yeah, I just had to write uh, an incredibly long article about it. So I am apparently (laughs) well-versed. So Jessica Chastain had talked last year at Cannes about why the spy genre is still so male-dominated. Well, Jessica Chastain, because she's America's sweetheart, um, decided, I'm going to turn words into deeds. And she decided to make a movie called 355, which she's producing. It's written by uh, Simon Kinberg, who just worked with her on Dirk Phoenix. And it's uh, written by uh, Teresa Rebic, who I think did Catwoman, but we're not gonna hold that against her. Um, And it's got a cast that includes not just Jessica Chastain, but like three other Oscar winners, Lupita Nyong'o, Marion Cotillard, and Penelope Cruz as well as Fan Bingbing, who is uh, considered, like, the Meryl Streep of China. Um, And Universal got into a fierce bidding war with Amazon and Paramount and a bunch of other places and spent the most amount in Cannes history, $20 million, to buy this movie. So they haven't shot it yet, but they're going to. And based on what they've been talking about, things that they're going to... that is in the script, this sounds... Even if it sucks, like, it's it's attempting to change the discussion on what genres are still limited to women. So, I'm excited. I'm excited having never seen a shot, okay? I just want these women to do something, okay? And I'm, I'm all for it. Yeah, I think that this is, um, this is definitely, definitely a genre. There are lots of stories of women spies in history that it's like women do this job and they do it really well and we need to showcase that and we need to show them being as awesome as they are and a lot of times more awesome than men so you know and they're and they're not just like uh honey traps they're you know it's this isn't it's, this isn't red sparrow Ugh. right um you know that and i <laughs> i assume and i certainly hope that this film is going in the completely opposite direction to that you know, we're not going to do La Femme Nikita, hopefully. 
uh, yeah, this this sounds incredibly exciting, and I'm, I'm with everyone else. I just want these these women. I'm just like, all right, sure, what make whatever you want to go for. It. I will watch. Well, I think it. too mm-hmm. that it's it's necessary. We were we've been talking about you know franchises um, and how oftentimes women really only get the chance to franchise off of a male-based one. So, like, Ghostbusters or Ocean's 8. Um, you know, this is something where they were like, fuck that, we're gonna make our own franchise and we're gonna do do all of this so that the men, 20 years down the line, can make a movie about us that's based off of our thing. Um, I, I mean, I'm all for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So bring it on. Okay. Um, so, Ryan Murphy... Ryan Murphy. Ryan, Ryan, Ryan. Um, he is working on his next TV series, which is called Consent. And it is going to be something to do with the Me Too movement. He's he's calling it... I, I have the article up. Um, so he's calling it a take on Black Mirror for the Me Too movement. Um, it's supposed to be an anthology series, because that's all Ryan Murphy knows, um, with a different creator and story each episode. Topics covered, and this is a direct quote, would include an insidery account of the Weinstein Company, Kevin Spacey, and an ambiguous he said, she said encounter. Okay. No. No, thank you. Just no, Focus on the other shows you've got, Ryan. Just worry about everything else. Maybe learn how to end a fucking away. story. And that too. I mean, my gosh, the only stories he can bring to a conclusion are the ones that are already written for him in actual reality. And even those he doesn't get right. Talk to Olivia de Havilland about that. Um, but I mean, like, if anybody needs to make this show, it's not Ryan Murphy. Right. Ryan, Ryan yeah. Murphy is, is part of the problem. I think the other problem is the concept of we need to have people learn how... Uh, the only way people are going to learn about this is through a television show. And what we're seeing now in what, I, what I'm calling kind of like this Me Too backlash is you're having men trying to right the ship. And they should not be the ones writing the ship. They should not be the ones getting fucking profiles in The Hollywood Reporter talking about people don't understand what really happened. Um, you don't... Yes. You're getting ahead of you yourself. Don't, you don't need a TV show written, created by a man, a white male, to look at what we know about the Weinstein Company or Ke- what we know, what we already know about Kevin Spacey. And the thing that always gives me pause is the quote, ambiguous he said, she said encounter. That's what every fucking guy, so far as we've charted yep. this whole Me yeah. Too thing, says it is. It's not fucking ambiguous, Ryan. It's not. And if you think it is, then you don't understand. And you, sh- you should not be making this, this series. Right. Well, and the thing is that it's not... I mean, my sense, and because of who he seems to be as a creator, is this isn't about trying to promote healing. This is about sensationalizing something that's really hope- right. happening right. to people. Tell- and that's it's gross. Yeah. Telling the, the yeah. e-true Hollywood yeah. story of Kevin Spacey, what the fuck is that going to look like? Watching some poor, poor child get molested on camera? I mean, like, because it's art? 
I don't understand yeah. what would well, what would be what would we be watching for an hour, however long this is. Yeah, I hate to say it. It would play up if they're gonna they're gonna sensationalize it. It'd be the sexuality angle, right? Of course, yeah, Which, exactly, exactly. And like, and Mur- that's what Murphy does. Mm-hmm. He's he's sensa- he, It's uh, sensational fiction. That's that's like everything that he does. And his treatment of women and of rape and of issues of consent in every single one of his shows is so beyond problematic like it makes me uncomfortable every time i watch it and those are shows that are not that's not their primary focus right yeah it's like this this is a terrible fucking idea guys like i yeah men i i've i keep on saying it men need to sit the fuck down and shut the fuck up this is like not their time to talk or to create it's their time to fucking well and and if you've watched ryan murphy shows i'm not i'm not gonna put him in the same league at all because nothing's ever been said but if you watch his series and i've watched more than one of them his use of gays in in his shows you don't want to be talking about kevin spacey because some of the gays the way the camera looks at some of the young men on his series is uncomfortable it is uncomfortable and Mm -hmm. why god that's true why would you again much like gilliam why open yourself up to people being like, maybe this guy's got a fucking problem that we've never noticed before. Right. Yeah. Don't do it, Ryan. Yeah, Don't just, do it. Just just go. You have time to kill this. <laughs> work. Just just do another American Horror Story. Just, just Work on that feud season that's not a feud that I already have problems with. Exactly. Maybe his next season of feud should be about Ryan Murphy versus us. Oh! <laughs> I support this! Do it! Uh, okay, so then we have, speaking of dumb men making stupid decisions about things, um, so men were being stupid at can. More Q&A issues. Oh my Shocking. gosh, like, dude, men are so bad at this. Um, so Emily Yoshida wrote an article um, on Vulture. She is at can. And lucky, lucky dog. Um, and she was talking about an event where there was a discussion with Carrie Mulligan, who is there because um, Paul Dano's directorial debut, Wildlife, is screening there. And so Carrie Mulligan was there, and they had like a a small. It was a pretty small group, it sounds like, um, at this little event, and. Um, she talks about some of the questions that were asked to Mulligan during this little Q&A. I love that she says, a rhetorical question I'll throw out into the ether. Why are heterosexual men so embarrassing? (laughs) (laughs) I ask myself that question constantly, Emily. Um, So she talks about some of the examples of things that happened. So like, first of all, one thing this year can imposed a ban on selfies on the red carpet because it was just too out of control. Um, and so someone asked her what she thought of the red carpet selfie ban after she had just been talking about how she doesn't really like social media. So like, Hmm, I wonder what she thinks of selfies if she doesn't like social media. Um, someone else said, uh, asked her what she would think it, what would she think if I told her she was very beautiful? That was the question. That was the question. Yeah, that was the question. They asked it in French, so an interpreter then had to say it in English. <sighs> oh my gosh. 
And then someone asked her if she might consider working with Lars von Trier now that his producer has pledged to stop slapping asses. And her, I love her She's, response. She's just like, that's great for I him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, oh, Well, and man. then it got, it got really ugly. I don't know if anybody saw this on Twitter. So she, yeah, she, oh, named, yes. she yeah. named certain writers. And one of the writers... Uh, Ramin Satuta, who is the New York bureau chief for Variety, responded to her and said in, on Twitter, I, quote, I've been covering women in Hollywood for more than 10 years since I was a reporter at Newsweek. The idea that I can't moderate a talk on the subject because I'm a man is not something I agree with. The question you... It's super... Oh, go on. Oh, I was going to say, it's super weird that he didn't respond to the... To the um gift that I sent him. Yes, which is, which I've been using that, that phrase all goddamn week. Exactly. Well, and Emily I sent Oshita him the responded. Jeff Goldblum gif of, you're so pre- so preoccupied with whether or not they could that they didn't stop to think if they should, which is so oh, applicable. That? Why you, oh, yes. I remember you using that. <laughs> and, yes. and Emily Yoshida did respond to him and said, nobody's saying you can't do whatever your heart desires. I can question the decisions of the event organizers, however. Exactly. So yeah, this this just goes back to what we've been saying about, you know, I I love that his response is a response that I've gotten regarding other things from other writers this week. No one's saying you can't do those things. No one's saying you can't say that question. You can't watch that movie. You're the one saying you can't do that. Um, right. And when you're in a professional setting, asking a, a an actor or something to. I don't know about you guys, but I get, like, really paranoid that I have all my facts right, I have all my questions right. Mm-hmm. Bef- I'm afraid I'm going to call them the wrong name. Exactly. I, I totally... Like, is this really Michelle Pfeiffer? Like, I don't know. Uh, maybe I'm going to get this wrong. I looked at... <laughs> I looked at... Oh, God. Who... Who... What? Uh, not Eva... No, I have not talked to Michelle Pfeiffer yet, but... <laughs> I looked at an, an actress's <laughs> birth date for an interview, and I still fucked it up. And she was like, I wasn't born then. I felt horrible for like 20 minutes at the end. I told her, I'm like, thank you so much for not being upset that I, I gave you the wrong birthday. She's like, it's totally fucking cool. I'm like, I know that, but I feel like a failure because I fucked that up. And apparently these guys have like no, that n- none of that thought process goes into their questions ever. No. Well, and, and part of the point of all of that was also that this was the Women in Motion talk series. Right. So this was supposed to be about women, and you've got this male writer moderating it and basically calling on almost exclusively male journalists who are asking her dumb shit questions like, oh, what would you say if I said you were pretty? Like, first of all, that's just, that's just fucking stupid. Like, what, what man... Why? Why do men do this? Um, but, because but they don't because understand you know, how to have basic communication with people. Well, and, and here's the thing. So this, this guy could have said, he could have said to, to Ken when they asked him if he wanted to moderate this, he could have said, you know what? I don't think I'm the right person to do it. Why don't you try so-and-so? Name a woman, you know, step aside and at least say, I'm not the right person to moderate a women in talk series because I'm a fucking dude. Well, like, and clearly his response is, but based on the response, is he doesn't get it. He thinks he is perfectly fine. And that is the problem, is these men don't. Yeah. They need they, to go to their corners, and they need to sit down, and they need to shut well, up. Well, they feel exactly. entitled to these roles. They feel entitled to these jobs. And they feel threatened if some if someone else says, maybe you're not the person that should do that. 
Well, and it, it, and yeah. like, oh, we're encroaching on the exactly. boys. Exactly. And we didn't, we didn't talk about this, but it comes right on the heels of, of, I don't know if you guys saw Zachary Levi sticking his foot in his mouth on Twitter. Yeah. Being like, Oh, that made Being me like, so how sad. dare you say that because I'm a ma- white male, I can't, quote, lead a conversation on race or gender. And people were like, that's exactly what it means. You can't, you can have the conversation, but you can't lead the movement because you're a white male. You don't understand that experience and and then he immediately turned around and was like you're being sexist and racist against me dude reverse racism <laughs> reverse sexism does not work when you're a dominant party who's never been oppressed like it does not exactly it's it's like you you have to give space you have the these men have to learn that their opinions are not the most important ones even if they're good opinions even if they're things that like they're really passionate about it's just like maybe your opinion right now is not the one that is needed. Maybe you need to sit down and you need to listen. And what you can do if you want to help people, if you want to get this information out there, is to raise up female voices, raise up people of color. Say like, use your platform to be like, okay, now you have to listen to her because I shouldn't be the one talking about this. Exactly. I mean, it's the same thing that- Let the grownups talk. Yeah, exactly. But it's the same thing that we've been talking about with like people who should be writing reviews for different films. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, like, ugh, I'm still so angry at some of the things that I've read from people who liked Tully, but the way that they write about it is not the way it deserved to be written about. And it's like, it's not about whether you like something or don't like it. It's not your critical opinion. It's the way that you express that opinion. And is that really furthering the conversation? And it's that way in so many so many different areas of this business and we just see men who think well my opinion is valuable sure it is in certain circumstances but that doesn't necessarily mean yours is the only voice that should be heard doesn't mean that yours is the only voice that should get to speak and the fact that so many men still don't get that and then they think that because we're saying hey guys let the women talk for a minute they think that we're being sexist against them and trying to silence them when it's nothing about that. It's not about silencing the men. It's about f- promoting women and letting women talk. It's totally different. The conversation. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. About, uh, you know, in terms of things like Tully, about things that we actually have a different experience of and a different understanding of that they just don't have because they're men. Right. And... You know, that's, and that's okay. Like, I'm not expecting men to understand everything that women go through or everything that women feel because they're not women. That's not something that they experience, but they do need to listen when women speak. You know, the, um, one of the films that's coming out, I think, this week is Revenge, uh, which is a, a female-directed rape revenge movie. And I don't give a shit what men think about this film right now. I want to hear what women think, and I want to hear a, a breadth of opinion from women specifically, because this is an issue that we need to talk about. Not an issue that I, I, I don't want to hear men being like, oh, it's, it's not male gazy. It's just like, I don't fucking trust you guys. Right. Because like, you have proved yourselves to be incredibly untrustworthy. Well, and they clearly don't know what that even means, male gazy. They, yeah. they don't get what that is. So Because they've never read a book. Right. I screamed... <laughs> book club this week and was surrounded by white male journalists and I heard nothing about uh, uh, before and after the scream, uh, screening I kept hearing and the, the entire conversation was about how great Jane Fonda looked 
Jesus Christ. That's it. I mean, and it's not, I mean, well, you know, it's, you know, next week or whatever I can talk about the movie, but it's like, that's not the end. This is a film about four women, four elderly women, and they just fixating on how great, and she looks absolutely amazing, but Jane Fonda at 80 or however old she is and how she manages to look how she does physically. That was what they were fixating on. (sighs) Men, quit being like that. (laughs) Just stop it. Um, speaking of men who need to stop it, uh, (laughs) there was, (laughs) there was a profile this week, um, and this is the first man who has, um, been kind of taken down by the Me Too movement to actually come out and be the subject of uh, an article that is just letting him talk, really. I mean, I guess the the PBS thing a few weeks back was kind of that way too, but this is an article from The Hollywood Reporter about Jeffrey Tambor. Uh, Lauren, why don't you take the lead on this one? Okay. Uh, I'm just I'm just looking at the article again because I read this whole thing and I got to a point where I think my, my eyes were beginning to mist over with this just blind red anger of of just the way to put it of the way that everything was presented so um jeffrey tambor has been accused by a number of different people of inappropriate behavior of sexual harassment um that enough so that he has eventually that he was eventually fired uh from transparent so now Tambor is doing his Matt Lauer, Charlie Rose, etc. forgiveness tour, and this is obviously the start of it. Um, I'm just scr- scrolling through the article for a good place to start. See, I found it particularly interesting, him his playing up, trying, did I read it wrong that he was trying to excuse his behavior away through fear? That he was so intimidated by this role that and that yeah. he was so overwhelmed by the you know the talk against a white male heterosexual actor playing this role that he was so overwhelmed by this that he took it out in that way Is yeah that? i mean he he says i drove myself and my cla- and my castmates crazy lines got blurred i Everybody remember that song, Blurred Lines? Um, like that's yeah. the first thing that I thought of. Uh, I was difficult. I was mean. I yelled at Jill. Um, Jill Soloway, who's uh, one of the creators of Transparent, um, she told me recently she was afraid of me. Uh, and then he goes on and on. So he's he's sort of saying like, okay, these are all the things that I did. So he's admitting to that. Um, but then he says, but I was scared because I was a cisgender male playing Mara Pfefferman. And my whole thing was, am I doing it right? Am I doing it right? Am I doing it right? To the point that I worry myself to death. So, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot to unpack there. Among the, among the fact that it's just like, poor me. I, I'm a cisgendered white man playing a, a, a transgendered woman. And that was hard for me. That was a tough thing that I was going through. So it, it does kind of, I mean... I, I, I hate to say it, I liked the first season of Transparent, and actually one of the best things on the show is, is Tambor. Um, but it does kind of show where his mentality was there, that, that he's like, you know, here he's playing this transgendered woman, and, and his, 
his biggest fear is the fact that he's a cisgendered man. Well, I think it's also worth bringing up, you know, we talk about the state of writers today. And have any of these profiles of men who have been accused been written by women? No, they're not. And so I was I was reading kind of between the lines the words that Seth yeah. Abramovich uses to pretty much say, oh, this is neutral, but it's not neutral. So, like, he says at a certain point that Tambor's tale is, quote, a dizzying tale entangled in Rashomon-like perspectives and political tripwires. Yeah, I was looking for that quote. So, so <laughs> what you're saying is, is that there are multiple stories here one of a couple of them probably aren't true and this is all political and it goes back to what a lot of people have been saying about tambor specifically he will be forgiven because the people that accused him are trans women they're not really mm -hmm. women quote unquote according to people who want to support him they're they were just a bunch of bros grab ass in like no no he harassed women it does not matter whether you consider them women or not they are women and a lot of it did come out a couple it kind of got swept aside but there were women who i think it was kate hagan um who tweeted yes. out you know these are not isolated incidents ask him why he was not invited back to teach acting at certain universities because women complained that he harassed them so his his image his argument is bullshit but yet abramovich who wrote this piece does not bother to create any sense of neutrality in what he's saying he's giving him a platform yeah. to to have this time to be like oh it's all political and these women are yeah well yeah and that that's that's part of the point the the framing narrative that a lot of these things are going through is very important because it is you know it's primarily yeah it's primarily white men uh i'm not attacking white men you just always seem to be the problem um, it's it's primarily <laughs> white men who are, who are uh, who are creating these framing narratives that are then talking to other white men. So it's quite obvious from the profile, like you're saying, that, that Abramovich is sympathetic to Tambor specifically, and not really sympathetic or even interested in presenting a a balanced perspective from everybody else. So he he really is just participating in this forgiveness tour. And this kind of we're we're going to sort of shore up Jeffrey Tamer now. Of course, the big question, whenever this sort of thing comes out, is is this simply bias, right? Is this just like, well, obviously he's just a dude who's, you know, the the, the bitches being mean to him, you know? Um, or is this is there something more insidious that he is aware that someone like Abramovich is aware of what he's doing and is aware that he's sort of protecting this uh, very toxic culture from, you know. The, the women who are who are causing so much difficulty. And it's complicated by the fact that this is an issue not just of um, feminism, but also an issue of, of transgendered rights and of queer mm -hmm. rights. And that, that Tamar is being given this platform to essentially defend himself and to say, poor, poor little me, I'm a cisgendered white man. Yeah, and I think it's, yeah. it's worth pointing out to going back to just looking at how writers write about these men, there is a lengthy paragraph about Tracy Lysette, who was the assistant to Tambor, who is also a trans woman, and I'm just reading it, and I was like, dude, mm -hmm. if you want to call her a liar, just call her a goddamn liar, because I, the way they bring it up, like, 
he refers to her as a striking brunette with fair skin and aquamarine eyes. She was a stripper, and she was suicidal, and she spent some time in a psychiatric ward. Well, Jesus, why don't you give me Tambor's whole goddamn life story at the same time? Exactly. So he's a tall, tall gentleman with striking dark eyes. Yeah, it's it's like it's like watching TMZ. I don't know if you guys saw today the TMZ headline that came out about guy breaks into Rihanna's house to have sex with her. No, the word is rape. Fucking use it, okay? Yeah. Like, well, yeah. I love how these male writers are so terrified of using the right words. Like, really. Well, it's like that article that came out a couple weeks or a couple days ago, where it's that headline that was like teen gets stabbed girl. by scissors after putting his hand up a girl's dress. Yeah. Uh, no. A girl fought off her fucking attacker with yeah. scissors. <laughs> That's what happened. There's, there is an important... It's important the way that these narratives are being framed. It's important the language that is being used and whether or not these men realize that they are... They're part of the problem. They're, they're creating... They're perpetuating the system that has allowed abuse to go unpunished. And... They, they want to protect they want to protect this whole industry they want to protect this kind of toxic masculinity because they don't actually want to change the people that they are personally and I will say that I really think that a lot of these guys just buy into this it's just like this is fine women are just complaining you know we're actually the ones who are being oppressed and attacked here yep well, that's why this is la- this climate has lasted for so long yeah. because they fr- they've they control the narrative. They frame the narrative. Language fucking means something. And it's, this is really, questions are getting asked now. And I think people are starting to tune into how this narrative is controlled. But that's why this has lasted for as long as it has. And it needs to change. Yeah. Yes. Well, on that note, I think that's a good place to end on him. Uh, I'm a big fan of Arrested Development and Season 5 is coming up and I'm a little bit concerned about this and I don't know how much of a role he's going to play because they're not talking about it. So, I, it's like if he has a big part, if I'm watching the first episode and he's like, it's all centered on him, I'm going to have to turn it off. Net- I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm, like, I'm waiting just, for Netflix to change their motto. Netflix, home of if you've ever raped or assaulted or harassed a woman, we'll put your show on. Between that and Danny Masterson, like, Jesus, Netflix, really, yeah. Kevin Spacey. I get it. They got rid of them, but, it, it yeah. It took them how long like, to get rid of him? It took them did. It took them way too long. And, I mean, in the case of, of Arrested Development, they did finish filming before any of these allegations came out. So, I mean, I can see why they didn't, like, just do anything about it. But it's just, it's just, it comes back to the Polanski thing. Like, if he's got a prominent role in this season, like, I just won't be able to watch it, you know? Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, there was another, to me, bigger article, more important one that came out this week, and that was about Brad Renfro. And um, I think, Kristen, you were the one that kind of brought this to our attention, I think. Um, yeah. From BuzzFeed. So if you want to go ahead and, and introduce this for us. I can I can do that. So um, BuzzFeed is been has been doing some really great... Uh, they've been doing some great reporting, actually, um, where Hollywood Reporter is failing. Uh, they did an article a couple days ago um, called How Hollywood Failed Brad Renfro. Um, it's by Adam B. Berry, and it's a really upsetting look at um, Brad Renfro's life. If you don't remember who he was, he was uh, a young actor who came to prominence when he did The Client in 1994, 
He was also in Brian Singer's At Pupil in 1998, and I think he died um, in 2008 of a heroin overdose at the age of 25. And he's kind of become this poster child for the Hollywood actor turned kind of washed up has been. Um, and the article really sensitively looks at how Brad Renfro didn't necessarily have to die, as most child actors don't. It is a concept of adults that continuously fail them in the industry. So it looked at um, where the lines were for parents who are want to be, you know, good sports, but at the same time their kids are making far more money than them, and how do they control that? What, what happens if they can't control that? It's, it's said that Brad Renfro was um, incredibly turbulent as a child. He was raised by his grandmother. Um, it also who had no control over yes um, it it also talks about how really the only adult in charge of the child's best interest is supposed to be the studio teacher and the studio teacher is really only there I think during what is it the weekdays and if the movie needs to make be finished at a certain time where does the teacher lie um, in terms of promoting a child's best interest especially when their paycheck is given to them by the production company. Yes, the production company gets to hire whoever they want to watch these children. There is no no real licensing. There is no real oversight. Um, so it's it's not necessarily accusing any specific people for Brad Renfro's demise. Although if you read some stuff, uh, Brian Singer rears his ugly head again. Um, but it really looks at who is supposed to protect child stars, and why aren't we doing well, anything about it. Yeah, well, and that's what I really appreciated about this whole piece was the fact that it didn't cast blame on any one person. It actually makes the point that it's a whole system of people mm -hmm. that led to his, ultimately, to his death. And It's the institution. Yeah, exactly. And and how we're doing this to kids all the time. And it, it actually made me think about how how disgusting it's been seeing people talk about Millie Bobby Brown. Um, mm -hmm. And yeah. how we're just, we've watched her grow up before our eyes. No, she's still 13 years old. She hasn't grown up yet. She's still a kid. And I was thinking about that as I was reading about Brad Renfro and how people were saying, oh, yeah, when he was like 16, he was doing this. And then they're pointing out, oh, no, he was 12. Oh. Yeah. The, the, really? the Tom and Huck production designer is quoted um, in this movie as saying, he was 15 or 16. He was sexually active. He had a girlfriend who was years older than him. And when Adam Barry reminded her that he was actually only 13 while making that movie, she paused and said, 13, okay, he was very young. I guess that would now be a problem, wouldn't it? It was a problem back in fucking 95 when they made the movie. Exactly. And mm -hmm. I, I really appreciate how, because we don't talk about it enough. We talk about child actresses being sexualized by the media a lot um and yeah, we don't talk about how we and it goes back I, I i think ryan murphy is a prime example how we sexualize young men in cinema yeah. and they were like brad renfro mm -hmm. is a prime example he was always half naked in his movies for no discernible reason women women would send him cards being like i want to have sex with you and he's like 14 years old and you know it's just it's a horrible horrible thing to be, I, I think, to be a child star because you're literally growing up with nobody around to, to help you. Um, you know, they were talking about there's there's a reference to Brad Renfro being at a party at the age of like 13 
where there were nothing but grown men and alcohol. Um, that's the story. I think he was 14. Yeah, 14. Yeah. Um, and that's a story that I've mm-hmm. heard. Um, I've heard some stuff about that. And Well, yeah. Whose party was it, Kristen? It's a Brian Singer party because nothing good ever happens at a Brian Singer party. <laughs> unless you're a 56-year-old white male. Um, so, you know, it's just, it, it's just, it's frustrating. You know, I wasn't a huge Brad Renfro fan, but, you know, you just, you look at all the kids that want to be movie stars, and you're just like, you know, I, I have to say, if, if I ever, it's, it's why you look at, like, Army Hammer, who, who's like, when his kids ask him, do they want to be actors, he's like, get another, get a real fucking job, please. Do not do this. Like, actively trying to, to tell his kids not to do it and you read this and you're like exactly this is exactly why parents need to tell their kids do not be a, a celebrity as a child because it is a horrible hellscape well one of the things well, that was- the article points out is the fact that you've got a hundred or so people or however many people are on this production whose livelihood and we're talking adults whose livelihood depends on this kid and that's so much pressure to put on a child Mm -hmm. and then it gets it gets into where the parents then are like well we i I don't i don't want to say anything because i didn't want to let all these other people down and all the other where where does they protect their kid all the other people Mm -hmm. are like i saw this happening but it wasn't my place i wasn't his parent i wasn't you know it's it's past the buck right kim were you gonna say something yeah, well, I, I was actually, I just, that total, I had two different points, and you actually, I just conjured another one. I think as early, you know, think about Judy Garland. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, we need to get this shot, here's an upper. Oh, oh, now you're so high on uppers, and we, we're done with the shot, we need to get you to sleep, here's a downer. It, but then, I mean, and that, I feel myself getting, you know, angrier at that point, but I, the point I was initially going to make, because I'm not, as well versed on Brad Renfro, but you think about that whole kind of string of late '90s leading men, lead, you know, child actors, Devin Sawa, mm-hmm. you know, Jonathan Taylor Thomas, Jonathan Brandis, sexu- yeah, the sexuality that was, you know, imprinted on these young, 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 young men. I remember. I mean, I w- Devin Sawa was a huge crush of mine. I remember some of those. I remember shirtless pictures. I rem, you know imprints you know imprinting this on these kids that are far far too young to be having to deal with this stuff exactly lauren were you gonna say something Uh, i was just gonna say something in terms of the you know we're talking about the sexualization child stars so sort of adding on to that uh it was i think it was back when the second season of um stranger things came out and, uh, and there was a bunch of stuff being talked about about millie bobby brown there were also a number of women who were like going online and explicitly talking about how they were attracted to Finn Wolfhard. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, I remember that. Who is now, right now, 15 years old. Yeah. Right? And back, and when he was making those shows, you know, so he's that much younger when he's making those shows. And so it, it does, you know, we, we tend to talk a lot about the way that, that men treat these kids. It also is about the way that, you know, these are grown women who are talking about these young boys who are just just going through adolescence, just going through puberty, as like these incredibly attractive uh, men, and it's just like these are not men; these are children. Well, it, these, well, there, it reminds there me of. Out, oh, sorry. There was an outcry when he, a bunch of women, had stalked him to a hotel room or a hotel. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I, there were the there were a bunch of legal, you know 
women waiting for him outside of his hotel and everybody all the handlers kind of pushed him past and you know he didn't stop and I remember online just going oh my god how are they raising this boy oh that's outrageous that he wouldn't stop and then some I remember somebody going no you're a 40 year old woman and he's a 13 year old boy would you let your child stop exactly yeah um it reminds me of Taylor Lautner when they were doing Twilight and mm-hmm. and he's not only was he under 18 in the fir- when they were filming the first movie, but he was also playing someone who was a teenager. And you had, yeah, 40-year-old women who were just, like, in love with Taylor Lautner. And I'm just like, this is really gross, you guys. Like, this, it was just so disturbing. Like, some of my friends were saying stuff, and I'm like, ugh, no, this is not okay. And we just, for some reason, we keep letting these things be okay. Or, like, we'll acknowledge that it's taboo and sometimes be a little bit apologetic for it, but that doesn't stop the mindset. And people still will, like, still say things that are just, why are you even thinking that, let alone saying it out loud? Yeah, it's, you know? well, and, hold on. And their sexuality is being marketed. I mean, Taylor exactly. Lautner, mm-hmm. you know, is a good, is a good example. Um, Brad Renfro is another one. All, all of those guys, you know, the the shirtless boys and uh-huh. Tiger Beat, and they're being marketed. Now, granted, yep. they're being marketed to you know fifteen year old girls. That is the that is the stated intention, but it's still this this degree of sexualization that we're looking at these we're looking at these boys as men and. There's there's a different culture also that is surrounding that when it comes to um, when it comes to young men. So there's this whole like, oh yeah, of course I got this older woman interested in me. It's just like, and no one at any point was like, Brad Renfro's 13 years old and he's dating a quote older woman. Right. Like, does she's so what? She's in her 20s. She's in her 30s. What? It how goes, old is she? It goes you know, right back to that double standard that you always see, which is mm-hmm. if a young girl is in a is you know quote unquote in a relationship with an older man she's being assaulted but if a young boy is in the exact same relationship he's he's a stud like that's cool yeah we see that with teachers right right teachers mm-hmm. yeah we see that all the time that. if a if a male teacher is having a relationship with a student whether it's a, a boy predator. or a girl yeah he's a predator if it's if it's the other way though then like oh why are She's the boys foxy. complaining he should be proud of that it's like foxy yeah. cougar well, yeah. like, i think oh. it goes back to go on vimeo watch watch an open secret which is i think the only way you can watch it because hollywood wouldn't let it come out and just just watch it and be horrified by the fact that like you don't even need tiger beat anymore you know what just say you're a photographer and you're a child model and you sell modeling shots to perverts online um, I mean, that's what happens. That's literally what happens. It is a horrible, disturbing industry. Um, I, I read a prominent gossip site, and they say, look at all the child stars that have died between the 80s and the 90s. There are common denominators, and we haven't even scratched the surface of, of actually dealing with this problem. Well, this, that reminds me, because I can't even, and I, apologies, because I cannot remember the source. I remember an article not more than a few weeks back. I might have, might have been on TCM, or on my way to TCM, because I think I was on a plane, about the boy from, it would have been Jim Carrey's son in Liar Liar, and I, uh, I'm blanking on the actor's name, but one of his headshots was on got out on I think it was eBay and it still had all this personal information on it and it was getting sold on eBay and then that kind of exposed this underbelly of child headshot marketing and foot pictures and just real Justin Cooper 
Okay, there you go. Mm-hmm. Yes. I mean, and he's now. Are you talking about the deadline article? Outside the industry, and yeah, there's a deadline article about eBay removing the shots. Deadline. That was yeah, it. Thank you. I just found it. So, man, yeah. I mean, the the great, or not great, but the thing that I really appreciated about the BuzzFeed article was that it pointed out, like I was saying before, that this is a systemic problem. And, I mean, unfortunately, it doesn't provide any suggestions for solutions, but that's really not Vary's, you know, intention or motivation here. But it does show that we do need to find ways to protect kids. And I think that one thing that, as I've had some really crazy opportunities recently to do some awesome interviews and meet people, like, I try to treat everyone that I talk to, no matter who they are, like a human being. And... I see these these machines at work that are just like trying to convince people that they're that because of who they are they should be treated certain ways and it's just I'm realizing more and more that like yeah I love movies and I love certain you know stars and things but it's like we we just need to 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 remember that these are still people and we shouldn't be treating them like they're something different I don't know what I'm trying to say. Like, we just, we need to just chill out and let people just exist. Exactly. Yeah. And to stop building this up and stop convincing ourselves that certain behaviors are acceptable because they're in this different realm of being. No, they just have a different job than you. And their job just makes people a lot of money. (laughs) So. Well, I've been, I've been doing a Harlow binge for my blog. And what is truly frightening to think about is how young she was going through all of that watching some of those early films to see you know the whole blonde bombshell thing she's 21 goddamn years old right exactly i mean it's truly hor- it's sad it's horrible and the fact that that was 80 years ago and that operate that is still at work yeah um so Anyway, the point is, yeah, we need to find ways to fix this and so that we can stop seeing things happen. Like, I am scared to death of what's going to happen to those Stranger Things kids because mm-hmm. they're being set up to be this next generation of Brad Renfro's and Jonathan Taylor Thomas's and all of that. And it's uh, we just we need to protect them and we need to protect the kids that come after them. And I don't think the answer is necessarily to just not have any children's roles in any project but i think we do need to be more careful in how those look and how often we we utilize kids and how we utilize kids so mm-hmm. um so let's see we had a couple of trailers this week um there were actually there was another one that i remembered about Kristen. sorry i added it okay <laughs> i haven't seen it so Okay, well, it's the trailer for Searching with John Cho. Did you guys watch that? Nope. Not yet. Okay, well, it's a movie that premiered at Sundance. And it's basically... I mean, it's getting good reviews. People seem to really like it. It's going to be out in theater soon. But John... I don't remember that even being talked about. Oh, really? Oh. Yeah. This is the movie that... um, someone was discussing on Twitter the other day and we were sharing words about it. Um, <laughs> but Because basically the movie is about a, a 
dad who's trying to find his daughter who's gone missing. And so he is like looking through her laptop trying to find clues to her disappearance. And um, so I've heard, oh, it's a great movie. It's great. And maybe it is. I don't know. I didn't get to see it. But um, my first question was, why does he have the laptop? Why didn't the police take it? Because he gets the police involved. And yeah, so I don't know. Those police are slacking. Right. Yeah. So anyway, the whole thing is told like through webcam design, stuff like that. It's supposed to be very like modern age trying to track down this girl. So I don't know. Kind of kind of in the vein of using iPhone technology and stuff like that. So um, I have to jump in. I mean, I have I have not seen this trailer yet, but that that idea was new agey five years ago. I can think of an Elijah Wood movie and I'm pulling it up to see if I can remember the title that was shot in the exact same way, you know, through webcams and instant messaging pictures and all of that. And it's, eh. <laughs> yeah. I mean, people, like I said, open windows, people seem to really like, Oh yeah. Open windows. Yeah. That's right. I forgot about 2014. that. 2014. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe it's good. I don't know, but I'm, I'm not convinced of the, um, the basis of the movies. Harold from Harold and Kumar is not old enough to have a teenage daughter yet. Oh, dang it. but he is. <laughs> I'm Sorry not to that break old. it to you. <laughs> Deborah Messing's also in it, and it will be out August third. So, but the trailer that we really care about, and by we I mean me, uh, <laughs> we got a trailer this week for The Predator, which is. Not a remake of the 1987 classic starring Arnold Schwarzenegger and Carl Weathers. It is a sequel, actually. Um, Shane Black directs and co-wrote it with Fred Decker. Shane Black actually appeared in the original Predator Mm -hmm. movie. Um, And this version from IMDb, when a young boy accidentally triggers the universe's most lethal hunters return to Earth, only a ragtag crew of ex-soldiers and a disgruntled science teacher can prevent the end of the human race. Um, The young boy in question is Jacob Tremblay, another one that I worry about. Um, And then the cast includes Yvonne Strahovski, Olivia Munn, Thomas Jane, Jake Busey, Edward James Olmos, Keegan-Michael Key, Alfie Allen, Trevante Rhodes, and Sterling K. Brown. I'm excited. Alrighty. <laughs> it, looks, it looks so dumb, but I'm there for I've, this. I've never K. seen a Predator movie, so I have no connection to it. Um, I know it stars the guy that I always confuse for the other guy from Suicide Squad. Apparently they are not the same guy. <laughs> So, <laughs> I'm not even sure what confusion I know. I there. It's the guy from Suicide Squad and the guy from Logan. Apparently, those are not the same guy. The guy from Logan? I still don't know who you're the talking about. Yeah. The bad guy. No clue. The bad guy from Logan. That's not Richard E. Grant. The, like, dude that's, bad like, guy. hunting them down with the hand. Are you, like, talking about Adrian Jay Brody? Courtney and someone I, else? I, you know, Jay Courtney kind of looks like that guy, too. Oh, my God. They're... <laughs> They are one person. I don't know who you're talking about. <laughs> what does it mean, Kristen? People, people, people it's the guy and the other guy. <laughs> so th- this will be, what, the fourth Predator movie? Because we had... We had 
what predator, the two predator two alien versus the a- predator wasn't there an adrian brody topher grace one yeah oh yeah <laughs> predators i think it was called something like that yeah <laughs> so then this will be the fifth one maybe I, I, but this is the first one to include Sterling K. Brown, so the others are <laughs> really what this is all about, isn't it? Exactly. What excites me there is, you know, Sterling is good, and then I've liked Keegan Michael Key and everything he's done. Yeah. So he's I, generally a very saw, fun addition. Yeah. When I saw those two, it's like okay, and I, I will admit it, I will usually laugh. I will usually enjoy Shane Black's writing as well. Mm-hmm. So I'll be there. This trailer really didn't impress me. I thought it was far less memorable than it should have been. I actually thought it was pretty boring. I mean, maybe I was also in the wrong mindset going, good God, why why are we even making another Predator movie? But it's... I'll be there. We'll see. See, I was, <laughs> like, at attention because of the fact that I first knew the trailer was coming when I saw it on Sterling's Twitter account. So then I was mm-hmm. like, oh, that's right, he's in this. And so I was ready for that. But Sorry, Lauren, well, what were you saying? I, I just want to know like what the backstory is, because the, the whole trailer opens with Jacob Tremblay opening a box. I know, I was like, oh, it's Zathora. <laughs> yeah, that, that, like, contains, that contains all of these like predator things. And I was just like, what the f- Did this like little kid just order a bunch of predator stuff from eBay and like triggers the apocalypse or something this is i want to know what happened there like i would like to know that backstory the the writer in me was assuming there's probably some kind of you know whether or not dad was adrian brody or arnold schwarzenegger someone was overseas you know because all of those movies are what overseas on deserted islands yeah the first one was somebody just happened to stop by a post office and send it back yeah well it seems (laughs) From the description, apparently it somehow calls them. Because at first when I was watching it, I thought they were, like, trapped in it or something. I was just like, I don't understand what's going on. It seemed to signal them, (laughs) But apparently it, like, sends the signal or something. I don't know. But but once again, Sterling K. Brown is in it, so I don't care. You'll give it your, you know, $15. I will. Thanks, Movie Pass. Um, September 14th, we can enjoy that fine oh fine piece of americana it is a september release which worked really well for it last year so that's oh oh you're right but oh that's that should be a summer movie i would say so but that's not good if they're shoving that to september it's an interesting timing yeah so i don't know yeah we'll see but anyway all right so that's enough trailer talk um let's move on uh kim would you like to talk very briefly before we wrap up uh, about your experiences at TCMFF. Uh, you know, as, I mean, piggybacking what has already been said, you know, Kristen was, Kristen was an amazing host. Yay! Bringing me, <laughs> letting me, you know, pal around and tag along with her over the, you know, the, the weekend. Um, God, I think it's a blur now. I think I saw 12 movies over the three days. That's a lot of um, movies. Looking, I know, right? <laughs> looking along my my list of reviews that I still have yet to complete, I have the Olivier Hamlet, which I know I appreciate, but no one else in our screening did. It was so long. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there, 
was lots of snoring around mm -hmm. us. There was lots of people leaving halfway through. But I'm an Olivier fangirl, what can I say? Uh, seeing Sunset Boulevard and Bullet at the uh, Grauman's, which was probably the high point of my weekend. Awesome. Um, Leave Her to Heaven on Nitrate. Absolutely mm -hmm. stunning, and that's the only way that film should ever, ever, ever be viewed. Strangers on a Train. I uh, saw a brilliant Harold Lloyd presentation, which I just wrote up for Geek Girl Authority, um, talking about his 3D photography and looking at his home movies, and it was amazingly put on by both the festival and the Motion Picture Academy. It was kind of a kind of a tangential thing they did together, and there's such good film preservation work being done with Harold Lloyd's stuff that it was just, is, I mean, and he's my favorite silent film comedian, so watching that was absolutely, I will admit to crying in a little bit of it because it was just so exciting to see. They had actually, I think I forgot to mention this in my article, but somebody had converted the last kind of sequence of safety last to 3D and colorized it. So, you know, so I was kind of looking at it from him dangling on the clock through to the end of the film. And it was one of the coolest things I've ever seen. I was just so glad to be there and be a part of that. It was really awesome. Very cool. Quick enough wrap? Yeah. <laughs> it sounds like a lot of fun. One of these years I'll, I'll go. So you need to. I would love to. So awesome. Okay. Well, this weekend is Mother's Day and I know everybody's going to be hearing this after Mother's Day, but you know what? We have moms every day. And so let's just kind of finish up talking about a couple of our favorite, um, well, you guys can decide how you want to do this. If, if you want to talk about your favorite movie moms or your favorite movies about relationships with moms or however you want to go. Like, let's just each list maybe three quickly. Um, we'll start with, who wants to start? I'd like to hear Lauren's. <laughs> I would too. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right, well, I, 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 I'm going to admit that, and I actually mentioned this as a joke the other day, but it's absolutely true, and it, I guess it kind of fits into all of this problems that, that we keep on bringing up. I really like Rosemary's Baby, <laughs> uh, and, and I, I think that that's an odd thing to say, probably, but um, it actually does wind up being about like this sort of backhanded celebration of motherhood that by the end of the film, you know, spoiler alert, she is, she's just like, oh, he's my child and I love him, you know, even though he's the Antichrist and he's going to bring about the end of the world and all of that, but she's still his mom. And, you know, that's, that's a, that's a wonderful sort of beautiful ending, I think, to, to Rosemary's Baby. So I do actually really like that film as, um, as a mother movie, maybe not a Mother's Day movie. <laughs> Uh, but I, at the same time, I think that my, my mother would probably appreciate that. Um, I'm trying to think of some others. Late, you know, one of the ones that actually came up for me this year was Lady Bird. Mm -hmm. Um, which is, which, you know, we all talked about as being this, this wonderful movie about, um, uh, the relationship between mothers and daughters and how real it was, even though, you know, we may not have exactly gone through exactly the same thing with our mother. There's there's a truth to the relationship that feels you know that I think many of us have experienced and my mother I, I do have to say is a much better mother than Laurie Metcalf in that movie I just want to say that mom I love you <laughs> uh, you've been a much better mother than that don't worry um, that and and one of my other favorites is Mamma Mia which is just Aww. fun and bouncy and I think 
Uh, I know that my father cried the first time we watched that movie. I'm not certain if my mother did, but uh, it's it's one of the favorites uh, among my family. So yeah, those those three. That's sort of an odd mix, but there we go. Love it. Yeah, I I liked your wording of I believe you said it on the chat with Rosemary's baby. He may be the Antichrist, but he's her Antichrist. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. Well, he is, he is like you know, it's this, it's this wonderful journey through her her suffering and all of that. But then ultimately, like she actually does find a sort a certain liberation in being the mother of the Antichrist, and it's weirdly celebratory at the end of the film, um, in you know, so, sort of the darkest way possible. But still, yeah. Uh, Kim, how about you? Okay, I'm gonna start out with a weird one and it's not I've just been I've been thinking about this one since our chat and after having seen it at TCM and she's such it's a blink of an eye kind of role but the mother character uh, Bruno's mother in Strangers on a Train Ooh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah we can talk about this as one of you know, it's I mean not you know it's it's not your powerful you know mom relationship. It's not your you know it's not the one you cry over, but just her relationship with Robert Walker's Bruno and that just how Hitchcock builds that and that just I always think about that scene when she's in there giving him a manicure, <laughs> and then kind of going into the painting. It's that's just that's such a great performance and it's it just it plays off so well with. Robert Walker and how Hitchcock crafted all that. It's just, it's one I always think about. Um, thinking of, I mean, probably generic answers. Mildred Pierce is one I always think about as a favorite. And then who hasn't sobbed at the end of Stella Dallas? Nice. Uh, Kristen? So, um, I'll, I'll throw a couple. Lady Bird is, is one of those. Um, my mom and I do enjoy watching Mommy Dearest on Mother's Day. Um, Yes, <laughs> and just quoting that movie endlessly. Um, I I love that movie so much. I don't care what anybody says about it being horrible. It's fantastic. Um, and I will throw out a movie that my mother loves that I don't love, and we argue about it daily. Is she loves Steel Magnolias, and I hate it. So I'm sure that will be on on Sunday, and she will probably watch it. And then I'll come in and be like, I hate this movie. I love that movie. Uh, you and her can watch it and cry. I just, you mean, like, the one sitting there like, this movie, I have problems. <laughs> I love that movie so much. Julia Roberts didn't have to die. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying, okay? I had that movie force-fed down my throat way too many times in high school English. I think we watch that every damn year. I saw it in the theater, guys. <laughs> <laughs> With my mom. <laughs> okay, Kristen. Did, was that your yeah. three? Sorry, I, I lost track. Yep. Okay. So I actually had to write an article about this for Word Circuit this week. And so I combed through a lot. And um, I actually in my article, because I was supposed to do a top 10, so I picked 10, but I refused to rank them because you know what? Moms compete enough. 
that's so I just alphabetized them but um, I picked a couple that were a little bit um, not focused necessarily on well I don't know the three that I would like to mention are the help which I know has a lot of problems on the racial side of things but it has some really great depictions of motherhood and um, like that you have lots of different versions of moms you've got the rocky relationship between emma stone and allison janney's characters you've got uh, viola davis's character who lost a son and then you've got someone who really wants to be a mom that's jessica chastain and then the interesting one to me is bryce dallas howard's character who's this horrible person but somehow still a really great mom and it's it's just really interesting but she's also a really sucky daughter because she like throws her mom in a nursing home for laughing at her so i don't know i think it's an interesting depiction of of motherhood and lots of different versions of that um another one that i love and i'm actually really surprised that Kristen didn't bring that up and that's mermaids oh yeah i just watched that the other day <laughs> this is just the reminder that michael chauvelin needs to make movies again i miss him so much <laughs> we miss you jake ryan um yes yeah i love that movie it's funny it's you know it it's weird to see bob hoskins in a role where you're like oh he's so cute it's like is he but he's so sweet in that i like him so and share i mean how can you not love share share dressed up in the 60s great <laughs> yes it's perfect so and then little tiny christina ricci like oh. who had to oh, go well. and drown in the middle of like all it's poor winona okay cock blocked by I death <laughs> I Thanks know. a lot, Wednesday Adams. <laughs> <laughs> and um, another one that I really love, just because I've often imagined that I would someday end up in this situation, <laughs> and that is stepmom. I had a stepmom. Well, I do still have a stepmom, and I have a mom, and they never really like openly feuded or anything, but there was definite tension, and you could see there was some like competition behind the scenes that we weren't necessarily overtly privy to and it's like it's just it was super relatable for me in my life and it's also something that like I've just kind of assumed at some point I would end up having stepkids and like oh how am I going to manage that so I don't know I really liked it and I love Susan Sarandon and I love Julia Roberts and I like it so there you go all right so that's going to wrap us up. What's everyone doing this week? Anybody got anything fun? I have, I have no screenings this week, strangely enough, but I do have plenty of screeners. I got to watch Mary Shelley, which I know y'all have told <laughs> me is bad, so I'm prepped. Um, and I also have RBG to watch, so just prepping for On the Basis of Sex uh, in, in October. So, And I think I also have uh, Always at the Carlisle, so I got I got some good stuff. That I'm hoping is good. I loved Always at the Carlisle. That was a fun one. I'm excited one. to see it. Um, and I might also have on Chesil Beach. I don't know if that's coming to me or not. I'm hoping that's more enjoyable than the Seagull, which I did not care for. I didn't end up seeing the Seagull, so I can't compare. But um, there are definitely things to appreciate about on Chesil Beach. Yay! I'll just I'm just there for the sure <laughs> show. That's it. <laughs> But always at the Carlisle is a lot Yay, of fun. I'm so, yeah, um, there's a really great story about Tom Cruise. In that I movie, I have so. heard that. that <laughs> I think that was a spoiler that was leaked online. So probably, um, it's really funny. But uh, anyway, 
Uh, Lauren, Kim? I don't particularly have anything this week except that I'm, I get to work this weekend, which means that m come Monday I'm actually going to be like, all right, I'm going to go out and see a movie. So whatever I feel like seeing, I'm going to go see. Probably like Tully or something like that. Definitely go see Tully. Uh, Kim? Uh, only thing, or only screening on tap. By the time this comes out, I will have seen Solo. Um, that's kind of the big one for the week. Other than that, I've just been binging my way through Filmstruck uh, for my blog, finishing up the uh, Gene Harlow binge in a little consecutive French O-Tone binge so more there fun I am also seeing Solo this week and through you guys I, I gotta wait till I'm... the 22nd <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah I was I, like I was all whoa when I saw the date I was just like I get to see it on the 14th that's so cool and then all these other people started like oh I'm going to a screening tonight and I'm like ah, son of a bitch <laughs> all these people have already seen it whatever that's fine um, yeah. <laughs> we're going, we're so important. Oh, no. Not, not so much. Never but, mind. I mean, yeah. Anyway, it's cool. Um, and then I think that's it for this week. I, I have a bunch of stuff that I've seen recently. Like, I, I did see on Chesil Beach, I saw Mary Shelley, um, the Carlisle. We'll be, we'll be um, talking about Deadpool 2 at some point next week because Kim and I have already seen it. I have not. So Very I surprised you did not it. see it. I don't. Yeah. I'm not on that list. That's not fair. Hint: publicist listening to this. Put, put Karen, Karen on the on list. Exactly. I, I took my friend Tila to go with me to see Deadpool two, and there were certain scenes in the movie she kept hitting me, and I was like, "Stop hitting me! I'm trying to stare at pretty." <laughs> Does it involve Josh I, I Brolin was... and a really large fish? No, no. Um, it involved uh... <laughs> in a really large mechanical yes, arm. Yes, that. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The fish was not present. Well, that's... Surrounded by fanboys. <laughs> surrounded. Yeah, we have. We well, have let's go fanboys. ahead and close it up on Josh Brolin. <laughs> we started the show with him. He opened it. He can uh, close it. I have, I, we go full circle. Full disclosure: I have vowed before the year is over to watch the final six. There are six. Well, technically, it's five movies, one TV movie that I have not seen that have Josh Brolin in. I've seen every fucking thing else except for five movies. Five. We're going to hold you to oh. that now. Godspeed, Kristen. I've looked at the five, and I'm not excited for any of them. There's a reason I've avoided them <laughs> for, like, 15 years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe yeah, I'll well. write something on the website. Who knows? Hey, Patreon, Patreon subscribers. subscribers. There we go. <laughs> it's... It's on. Oh dear. Our... If you if you subscribe more, maybe Kristen will wrap these up. <laughs> well, I gotta get out of here because I'm about to go podcast about Life of the Party with Melissa McCarthy, which I enjoyed. Um, so, Kristen, where can they follow you? You can follow my shenanigans on Twitter at journeys underscore film. And her retweets of Josh Rowland pictures. <laughs> um, Lauren, did how I retweet you? that? I don't, I don't know. know if I did. <laughs> Somebody did. <laughs> I am at LH Business. Kim. At KPierce624. I am at Karen M. Peterson. Of course, you can always follow the podcast on Twitter at Citizen Dame Pod. We are on Facebook, facebook.com slash Citizen Dame. Go to our website where we have all kinds of fun stuff like top fives and um, really great film reviews from mostly Kim and Lauren. Um, and. Um, I don't know what else, but that is citizendamepod.com. Rate, review, subscribe to the show uh, through all the normal ways. iTunes, Podbean, 
uh, Stitcher, we're on Spotify, all kinds of great things. So, and uh, of course, we are on Patreon as well. Patreon.com slash Citizen Dame Pod. Dang it, I always get that mixed up. All right. So, yeah. So go there. We've got all kinds of, we have fun bonus content. You can you can still find out who we declared the ultimate movie boyfriend. We are prepping um, our May bonus content for Patreon, which will be, yes, we I are. believe it's going to be Star Wars related. Um, and we also, do we want to announce who won the poll for the riff? Uh, oh, yes. So you want me to do it? <laughs> Okay, yes. so so the, if you remember, we did a, a we're planning to do a riff track style audio commentary. The choices were Suicide Squad, Sicario, um, three hundred, and what was the other one? I was forgetting Jurassic, Jurassic World. World. And after a contentious debate between movies that were not Sicario, um, Suicide Squad <laughs> won. I don't know how that happened, um, but it did. Um, that's not to say for the people that were really excited for me to review Sakari that we're not trying to, to plan something um, in the future to do that. But um, in fact, I think the alternate for that one is going to be even better. We have some. Then it we have some been. plans. We have some plans in the works, but we will be um, doing our audio commentary on Suicide Squad soon. So yeah, if you uh, want to get in on all that, all of that will be Patreon exclusive. So get into Patreon now uh, so that you don't miss out. For as little as one buck a yes, month. Yes, one buck. We are cheap. Yeah. I said that wrong, but you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Kristen's cheap. I'm not. Oh, excuse me. Not any naked man with a fish can just show up and get me, okay? <laughs> depending on what shenanigans Josh Brolin gets up to this week. <laughs> Bye! You jinxed it. Now he's gonna do something really fucking stupid because that's just what he does. <laughs>